0: God's nature is revealed in His creation, His Word, His attributes and His names. Our picture of God affects not only our posture towards God, but also our posture towards people, the world and the devil. In this message, we learn about the nature of God.
1: Alright, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew, the 17th chapter. We're going to get ready to make a declaration together this morning. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Matthew 17, 20. Jesus taught us how to use our faith in God. Matthew 17, verse 20. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to them, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. If you have faith, you will say to your mountain. So this is how Jesus told us to exercise our faith. He said, you have faith in your heart. You speak to your mountain. You speak to it. Now, what is the mountain? It could be anything. It could be sickness. It could be disease. It could be a problem. It's anything that's standing in the way. It's hindering your progress. It's. An obstacle, a hurdle, something that's preventing you from moving forward. What did Jesus say you must do? Complain to God about it? Or, you know, tell everybody how big this mountain is? You're the only one in this whole world who's got this mountain in front of you. (laughs) He didn't say any of that. He said, you speak your faith to the mountain. You commanded that mountain to move. And he said, it will move. And he said, nothing will be impossible to you. So, we take our faith and we speak to the mountain. We declare words of faith. Faith that is spoken is faith that will produce. Faith that is spoken is faith that will produce. As long as it's in your heart, it's good, but it's waiting to be released. So faith has to be spoken. Faith that is spoken is faith that will produce. So let's stand up to our feet and and speak our faith together this morning. We are declaring together what the Bible says about us as believers. Say this out loud, bold, and strong with me. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I am a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I believe His Word. I receive His Word. And I live by His Word. Christ is my Master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. May we be seated, please. The last few weeks, we've been talking about discipleship and the call, the challenge to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And we're going to build on this further. We're getting into... um, a series where we're going to do some very basic things called foundations perhaps it was 2003 or 4 i forget the exact year you know we saw the need we said you know there's so many people who come to church from various backgrounds and we need a way to uh, help them all have a good foundation in the christian faith and so it was at that time that we came out with this foundations this material called Foundations, where we had three tracks. Track 1, track 2, track 3. Track 1, we said, what does a person need to know and have in their faith to go from being a new believer to becoming a disciple? So that was track 1. Then we had track 2. We don't stop at making people disciples. We need to take them from being a disciple to becoming a minister of God. So we came up with track 2. We had courses on that. And then we said track three. Now, we don't want to stop having people just become ministers. We need to make them leaders. So track three, what do you need to do to take people from being ministers of God to becoming leaders? So we kind of did this at, at times. First time I think we did was back in Christian Workers Center. We ran this on Sunday mornings. So we put everybody on the track, take them from being new believers to becoming leaders, In the house of God. How do we do it? And so we're doing so many things. Um, Finally, we said, let's capture this on video. Put it online. Give it in print. And everybody study at their own convenience. Go through it whenever they have time. Whether it's on the weekend or a Saturday or midnight if you're working in a call center. (laughs) Whatever. At your own convenience. You can go through these courses. Have a solid foundation established for you. So that you, in your own walk with God, could move from just from being a new believer to becoming a disciple, to becoming a minister of God, and to becoming a leader in the house of God. We will do track one, foundations. We'll cover 12 topics that will take a person who's a believer to becoming a disciple in Jesus. So it might sound very elementary to some of us as we go through these things, but It's good to revisit our foundations, get our basics right. And not only that, but I think it's also helpful for us to understand these so that we can then go and teach others. We could help disciple others. We could go on these equip missions and you can teach and I can listen to you. And you can do all these things. And and, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do foundations track one. The next several Sundays, there are 12 lessons. So we'll probably be on it for three months. Different topics, we'll go through it, and then we'll see when we'll do track 2 and when we'll do track 3. Track 1, designed to take a new believer to becoming a disciple. We begin with the very basic. The nature of God, what is God like? What's God's picture? Or who is God? What are His attributes? What are His characteristics? What's His nature? This is a very fundamental, very basic question. And many of us have an imperfect, perhaps an incorrect picture of God. Uh, our picture of God is many times painted by the religious systems in which we grew up. You know, every time you do something wrong, just be careful, something might happen. You know. So that's your picture of God and you, your image of God is a God of who's always angry and winning to, you know, or a God of laws, a God of rules and... And so our picture of God is so often uh, formed by various things that we go through in life. And so we need to come back to the Word of God and try to understand and paint the right picture of God, the correct picture of God, so that we can learn to relate to Him correctly and out of that learn to relate to one another correctly. So the nature of God, by, by His nature, we're talking about His characteristics, His attributes, His qualities, basically who He is, what He does. God's nature is revealed in several ways. It's revealed in creation. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20 says that the invisible attributes of God, His deity, His power is revealed in His creation. So you look around, you look at the universe and the Bible says you can see the attributes of God. You can see the power of God in His creation. Who God is is also revealed through His attributes, His traits, His character. Revealed to us in the Word of God and through His names. When God says, this is my name, I am this. He's revealing a certain aspect of Himself, a certain part of His nature, who He is. God's, God's um, nature is, also revealed, is, is primarily revealed to us through His Word. As you go to the Word of God, you discover His attributes, you discover His names, and this gives us a window into God, who God is, what's His nature. And the greatest revelation of who God is, is the person of Jesus Christ. Because He is the Word who became blessed. That's the greatest revelation of God. You look at Jesus, the Bible says you are looking at the exact image of the invisible God. So who God is, is perfectly revealed in the person of Jesus Through everything he said, through everything he did, that is who God is really. It's what God is really like. Like what Bill Johnson says, anything that you claim or you think you know about God that you do not find in the person of Christ, you have a reason to question. It's a good statement. Anything you think you know about God that you do not find in the person of Jesus, you have reason to question. Jesus is a perfect, exact representation of who God is. Now, knowing the nature of God is very important. Before that, we must understand that God, God's word and His works are always consistent with His nature. God would never say something, neither would He do something that contradicts His nature. Now, that's very important to understand. God's word and God's works are always consistent with His nature. Suppose somebody came and said to you, you know, God said this to me. How can you test it? Well, is that word consistent with His nature? Suppose somebody came and said, God did this. How do you test it? Is that work consistent with His nature? Because God would never say something, neither would He do something that would contradict or conflict with his own nature. It's very important. So knowing the nature of God is very important if you want to correctly discern whether something is what God said and whether something is what God did. Amen? Knowing the nature of God is important. Also, knowing the nature of God is important because our picture of God not only affects how we relate to God, our posture, our stance towards God, but it also influences how we relate to one another. How we face difficulties in life. And how we face the devil. If you think God's this angry God who's always mad, then every time you pray, you pray like this, Oh God, I am such a terrible sinner, God. And we keep hearing you pray the same prayer over and over again. It's okay. That's that person's picture of God. That's the reason they're praying that way. Because they're thinking God as somebody angry and all of that. If you know God as only the God of justice, it will influence how you relate to people. Anybody does something wrong, justice. They must be punished. But if you believe in a God who's also a God of mercy, Then you say, yeah, they did something wrong. They deserve to be punished. But God's a God of mercy. Let's forgive. So your picture of God affects how you relate to other people. Your picture of God also influences how you face circumstances. If you're in the middle of a storm and your picture of God is a God who gets angry and does weird things, then you will say, my God. This is your storm. Thy will be done, Lord. See you in heaven soon. But if your picture of God is a God who has given you dominion and authority and who's vested in you the right to dominate circumstances, when you face a storm, you will rise up and say, this storm is not of God. Peace, be still. I'm going to the other side. So your picture of God is so important. How you relate to Him, how you relate to others, how you relate to circumstances, all is determined ultimately by your picture of God. What do you think about the nature of God? Who He is, what He's like. How you face the devil is also determined by your picture of God. If you picture God as the God who does the devil's work for Him by sending sickness and disease, when you face sickness and disease, you say, Hallelujah, God sent this to me. It's a thorn in my flesh. But if you believe in a God who's a healer, whose name is Jehovah Rapha, when you face sickness and disease, you will say, Devil, take your hands of God's property. Because my God is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer. And he doesn't send sickness to his people. Amen? So your picture of God will determine how you react to the works of darkness, to the works of the devil. So this subject, even though it may be elementary, even though it's very basic, uh, is very important. So let's just look at some attributes of God revealed in Scripture. Now God's infinite. So we start talking about the attributes of God. We'll all take turns. We'll go on through eternity. So this service will never end. <laughs> so we can't enumerate or list all the attributes of God. We just pick a few out of Scripture. We'll run through it quickly because many of you may be familiar with this. But I'll highlight certain aspects of these attributes and how they influence or affect our lives god is the creator and eternal the bible teaches us in genesis 21 33 he is the everlasting god psalm 90 verse 2 from eternity to eternity Thou art god the bible says so god's eternal he's everlasting and he is the creator all things were created by him so when we worship God, we worship him as the creator. Nothing is impossible to him. He has the power to bring anything and everything into existence. We are created beings. God is a spirit person. Jesus said in John 4.24, God is spirit. Now when we say God is spirit, people are thinking of this vapor. You know, something that's, That is just a disembodied something, a force that is formless. So when the Bible says God is spirit, it does not mean that God is just a force, an influence, or a thought, or a reason. God is spirit, meaning He lives in a realm outside of our realm. we live in a natural realm that is governed by our five senses, God lives in a realm outside of that realm. The Bible conveys to us that God has form. He has eyes, He has hands, He has ears, he uh, He has form, He has feet, and so on. The Bible also conveys to us that God has emotions. He loves, He forgives, He's kind, He's gracious, He's merciful. So God has feelings, He has emotions. So God being spirit does not mean he is formless or emotionless. In fact, it's just the opposite. He has form and he has feeling. And most importantly, the Bible reveals to us that God is spirit. And he, as a spirit being, he loves, he cherishes relationship. So God is not just a force. He's a being, a spirit being with form, with feeling. And desiring relationship. That's very important. God is a spirit being. But that also means that when we relate to God, we do not relate purely out of our natural faculties. We have to relate to God as out of our spiritual faculty, out of our spirit being. Our spiritual faculties include faith in God. Faith is a spiritual faculty. It's not a natural faculty. So when you relate to God, who is a spirit, you relate to Him out of your spiritual faculties of faith, of love, of trust, of of worship. These are expressions of your spirit. Each one of us are spiritual beings and therefore capable of relating to God, who is spirit. Amen? God's a spirit being. And so we relate to Him as a spirit being. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. That means His power is limitless. There's nothing that God cannot do. And very important for us to understand is that His power is released through His Word. His omnipotence is released in His Word. When God wanted to use His omnipotence to create, the Bible says He spoke, So God's omnipotence is encapsulated in His Word. His Word, therefore, is power. Amen? God is omniscient. He knows everything. Psalm 147, verse 5 says, His understanding is infinite. He counts all the stars. He calls them all by name. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, God, He declares the end from the beginning. He knows everything. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent, present everywhere. Jeremiah 23, verses 23 and 24, he says, God says, am I not a God who's very near? Is there any place that you, that you can go to when I'm not there, where you can hide? Psalm 139, verse 7, the, psalm, the psalmist says, God, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I hide from your presence? God's everywhere. He's a triune God. Now this... Is solpa difficult. <laughs> this is a little difficult. The triune God. The Bible reveals to us God in three persons. It talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all are God. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit are God. They are co-equal, co-existent, eternal. Now somebody said "Somebody say, why is God like that? I don't know. I didn't make him. I can only tell you what the Bible says about God. God in three persons. And they are one. Meaning they flow together in unity. There is no division, no no confusion among them. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Equal God to be worshipped. So I don't understand it. Don't worry. Not everyone does. We go with what we do understand. We can envision it like this. God the Father is an expression of the wisdom of the Godhead. He conceives. God the Son is the authority of the Godhead. He commands the word spoken. God the Spirit is the power of the Godhead. He creates. There's a conception of the idea. There is the command of the idea being spoken. There's a creation of the idea bringing it to pass. You find that Godhead working together like this in several situations. Now here's the problem many of us face. Many of us will run into situations where people will come and say, but there are other regi- religions that also have a concept of a triune God. Well, Let me say this. For everything that's genuine and everything that's truly powerful, Satan also has a copy. There are other religions that also have the concept of incarnation. There are other religions that also have the concept of the power and the supernatural and the miraculous. For everything genuine in the kingdom of God, you will find a copy. Now, the copy does not diminish the importance and the authenticity of the original. It only indicates the importance of the original. Nobody makes duplicates of one rupee notes, but you will find counterfeit with 500 rupee notes and thousand rupee notes, because that's a little important. Just because there are counterfeits, you don't throw away the original. Amen? It just authenticates that that thousand rupee note is valid, people want to copy it. So just because there are these concepts available around us and other philosophies, religions and so on, does not diminish the truths and, the, and does not decrease the validity of what the Word of God declares about the triune God, about the incarnation and about the supernatural. We don't throw it away. Amen? You stick with it. God's infinite. I mean, He's limitless. There is no measure of, his, of who He is. He's supreme. He's above everything else. And He's eternal. There is no beginning nor end to His existence. God's holy and righteous is a holy God. So He desires holiness. He desires righteousness. He delights in this. God is a sovereign God. As a sovereign God means he is king, he is ruler, he is master. Now here's another thing that many of us struggle with. We struggle with the sovereignty of God and our freedom to choose. God's a sovereign God. He's always in control. But he's so secure in his sovereignty... He's not afraid to give up control. And that's the part we all struggle with because God has given up control when it comes to our lives. He's put the ability to control into our hands. We call it a free moral will or the freedom of choice. So God is sovereign. He's always king. He's always ruler but yet there are areas in his own dominion that he has no control over that includes you and me. No control in the sense he's not going to make your choice for you. Amen? You chose to get up this morning and come to church. No angel came and woke you up, dressed you up, brushed your teeth for you and said to you, you made a choice. Now you could have made a choice. To attend the bedside assembly. God would not have forced you to come here. He respects your choice. Now God is sovereign. He is so secure in his sovereignty. He has decided to release control. And in doing that. He has not lost any bit. Of being sovereign. He is still king. For us we find it difficult. I mean, God's given up control over me. I make the choices here. But I thought he was in control. No, you're in control of your life. You make the choice. Amen? Which therefore puts immense responsibility on you and me. Now, we don't like that. Because we always like to say, God is in control. Yeah, God is in control. (laughs) I know God's in control. But he's given you the responsibility. You got to make the choice. Now, God so respects your free will that even if you choose to do something wrong, He will not oppose you from doing it. God respects your choice and mine. He respects it. When Adam was about, Adam and Eve were about to eat of the tree, I mean, God could have done so many wonderful things. He could have just caused the tree to grow up suddenly. (laughs) All the branches beyond reach. He could have just caused all the fruits to disappear. No fruit on the tree. I mean, he could have done so many things to stop them from going down the path. But he did not do it. He watched the whole thing happen. And he never intercepted them. That's how much he respects your choice and mine. Because he, in his sovereignty... Gave it to us. So we must understand the sovereignty of God correctly. Understanding that no matter what we, what we choose, no matter what the devil does, God's sovereignty is unaffected. He's still ruler. He's still king. Even if the entire human race chooses to do what's wrong, He's still God. He's still king. But He respects the choice you and I have made. And it will not diminish any of what he wants accomplished on the earth. He is just, which means we face the consequences of our choices. His justice, in his justice he respects our choices, but he also permits our choices to have their consequences. And he's very fair when he allows that to happen. It's part of God's nature. And it's also in his justice that he sent Jesus for us. Because the Bible says in Romans 3.26, that when through his death, the Bible says, God was being just and the justifier of those who believed in Jesus. So when you and I believe in Jesus and get our sins freely forgiven, God is being just and being the justifier. That means He's satisfying the demands of His justice and at the same time, He is being our acquitter. The same judge passing sentence and acquitting the guilty. God can do that because He sent His own Son. Amen? He is truthful and faithful. God is a God who cannot lie. He can never lie. That's why His Word is absolutely dependable. And He's always faithful. he never go back on His promises. He'll never go back on His covenant with you, His commitment to you. He will always be there for you. He's faithful to you and me. So we can always depend on the faithfulness of God. So you and I never need to feel like, Oh, God's forsaken me. If you know that God is faithful, you will never come to that place where you say, Oh, man, my God's forsaken me. No. You know He's faithful. He's faithful to His Word. When you know that God is a God who cannot lie and you're standing on a promise, you know that promise will come to pass. Why? Because you know the nature of God. You know that He's a God who is truth and therefore His Word is truth. His Word is never less true than Himself. He is truth. His Word is truth. And so because you know that about God, you absolutely depend on His Word. Some people say, What a fool he is believing that word. The reason you believe that word is because you know the God who spoke that word is absolutely true. Amen. He's a loving God and a good God. He's a God of love and He's a God who is good all the time. And that's not just a nice little phrase we say, you know, God is good all the time, you know. God is good all the time. Which means that He is so good, He will never do you any harm. How good is your God? For some of us, our God is partially good. And every now and then He gets into a bad mood. And He starts troubling us. Your God is not good enough. The Bible says God is good, full stop, all the time, absolutely, morning, noon, and night. When things are going good in your life and when things are going wrong in your life, God is good. Amen? But if we let our circumstances dictate our picture of God, sometimes you say God is good and today you say, man, today is a little bad. Because you're letting your circumstances dictate your picture of God. But it's got to be the other way around. Understand His nature from His Word. His Word says that He's always good. Amen? So, your conviction of the goodness of God has to be absolute. My God is a good God. He will only do good things for me. He will protect me. He will preserve me. And all that He does is out of His goodness for me. So even the correction that God brings into your life comes forth out of His goodness, not to destroy you, but to empower you, to encourage you, to lift you in the right, put you in the right direction and lift you to greater heights. The correction of God is an expression of His goodness to you. So you celebrate God when you are corrected. Because for you, God is always good. And He is. Amen? God is absolutely good. And everything He does for you and me flows out of His goodness. And so we need to be totally convinced about the goodness of God. He's always good all the time, in every situation, every circumstance. God is a good God. And therefore, because we are so convinced about the goodness of God, we can say that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. Because you're convinced that even if you make a mistake, God, and you get back to Him, God is good, He'll fix it for you. Amen? That's the goodness of God. Even if you go and waste things, you go back to Him, He'll fix it, he put it all back together, He's a good God. That's your understanding of the goodness of God. But even in church, not many have that kind of understanding of the goodness of God. Their understanding of God's goodness is finite. Where sometimes people do something wrong and that's it, man. Even God gives up on you. Now, if you believe in a God who is absolutely good, you will never think that God has given up on any person. Yes, we give up because we human beings and our ability... For patience and love. It all has its limits in our own selves. But not God's. Amen. It's absolutely good. God's merciful and gracious. God's merciful. In His mercy, He gives us things. Healing is an act of mercy. The blind man said, Son of David, have mercy on me when he wanted healing. The things we receive from God are expressions of His mercy towards us. That God gives to us even when we don't deserve it. And God is gracious. He does not deal with us on the basis of our sin. Or neither does He reward us on the basis of what we have achieved and accomplished but He extends mercy and grace to us in spite of our sinfulness and in spite of all our shortcomings. One very important thing. God is mercy and God is truth. But in God, mercy always triumphs over judgment. God is merciful, God is just. In God, mercy always triumphs over His justice. Meaning, he carries out what needs to be done with justice, but His mercy triumphs. let look at the fact. It's a simple fact. If all of us had to reap what we had sown, man, we'd be reaping a lot of bad stuff. But it is His mercy that keeps us from reaping from all that we have sown. Amen. Amen. It's His mercy that keeps us from reaping from all the wrong that we have. So, it is true we reap from what we sow, but it's not true when mercy comes into the equation. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen? That's why the Bible says, He has not dealt with us according to our iniquity. If He had to deal with us all according to our sins, man, we'll be at the flogging gate a long time. (laughs) But He doesn't deal with us according to our iniquities because His mercy triumphs over judgment, over His justice. He brings mercy. So all we have to do is plead for mercy. Let me run through quickly the names of God. Adonai talks about the sovereignty of God. He is Lord. Elohim talks about God as the creator, the all-powerful God. In the Greek, the equivalent of Elohim is Theos, God who is creator. You find another Hebrew word El, which talks about God. And there are a lot of El titles. El Shaddai, the almighty God. The God who is all-sufficient, more than sufficient. When you say God is El Shaddai, He's saying, I am more than sufficient for you. He revealed this name to Abraham. Abraham in Genesis 17, you know, he had this huge promise, nothing happening. God comes to Abraham, Abraham, I am El Shaddai. I am God who's more than enough. I am the Almighty God. I'm the all-sufficient one. So Abraham, don't worry how this promise is going to be fulfilled. I am El Shaddai. El Elyon, the Most High God. There's no one above Him. El Olam, the Everlasting God. He also revealed Himself as I Am that I Am to Moses. Meaning, I am the eternal self-existent One. I, have, I don't depend on, my, on anybody for my existence. I am who I am. Nobody can define me completely. I am who I am, always existent, the ever-present one. He revealed himself as Yahweh and he gave several covenant names to his people. Some of these names you and I are familiar with, but each of these covenant names reveals a certain aspect of who he is. And remember, God will never say anything or do anything that contradicts who he is. He revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer, your physician. That means because he's a healer, he's not the sickness giver. He revealed himself as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord of victory, who causes us to triumph. As Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides or sees to the need. As Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is peace. As Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. He's in charge of all the armies, the angelic hosts. As Jehovah Mekedishkim, the Lord our sanctified, the one who sets us apart to be holy, because He's a holy God. As Jehovah Rohi, meaning the Lord our shepherd, who deals with His people as a shepherd would take care of His sheep. He revealed Himself as Jehovah who, the Lord our righteousness. Revealing to us that man can never come to Him on His own works, but He comes to Him based on who God, uh, what God does for Him. The Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is present. He's always with us. Perhaps the greatest revelation of God in the Bible. Is that of Father. God is our Father. All these names are good. They reveal different aspects of the nature of God. But the greatest, I believe. He's saying, He's revealing to us as our Father. Because the Bible says, when He created Adam, He created Adam as His own son. Revealing that this is what I really want with my creation. I want to be a father to this entire human race. So when we pray, we pray our Father. When we relate to God, we relate to Him as our Father. Now, never Transfer your unearthly understanding of Father to God. There are some good fathers on the earth and there are some not so good fathers on the earth. Jesus talking to human fathers said, if you being evil, you know how to do some good things. How much more our heavenly father, meaning our heavenly father is so much better than our earthly father. So while we do honor fathers and respect and and all of that, understand that God is the ultimate father. He's the perfect father in whom there is no flaw. And you can relate to him as his son or as his daughter. Amen? I want to close by just saying, just bring out these three points here. See God for who he really is and worship him for who he is. Some of us need to paint afresh. Picture of God. Get discard the old picture. It's okay. This is who God really is. I'm going to relate, learn to relate to Him for who He is and worship Him for who He is. Second, desire to conform to His nature because that's the desire of God's heart. He wants His nature to be in us. That's why He created us in His image. So whatever you see in the nature of God, you desire it to be expressed in you. And through you, he is love, His mercy, His gracious, His truth, His faithful—all those things, God, let them be uh, imprinted into my life, expressed through me. Make your choices, make your decisions aligned to the nature of God. Relate to people aligned to His nature. See your situations in the light of who He is. If there is sickness, see Him as a healer. If there's a need, see Him as your provider. If there's there's trouble, see Him as your banner, your source of victory. So see the Lord for who He is. This, in a small way, is a description of the nature of an infinite God. Amen? This is who God is. And continue to search the Scriptures because in the Word of God, you get a true picture of God. Who God really is. Learn to relate to Him that way. Let's stand to our feet. Would you ascribe to Him this morning praise, adoration that's worthy, that's fitting, that's aligned to who He is? Would you just say, Lord, I worship You. You are an eternal God. You are an omnipotent God. You are an omniscient God. You are an omnipresent God. You worship him for who he is. You're an infinite God. I worship you. Worship is an attempt for us mortal man in our own feeble ways to respond to this infinite, wonderful, powerful God. It is true that our worship will never be complete or fitting to an infinite God, but we want to give Him the best we can, responding to what we've understood about Him. Our understanding of God is not complete. It's finite. But yet out of that, we want to say, God, I worship You. I ascribe to You praise that recognizes who You are, what I've understood of who You
0: are. It's God. We worship you, Heavenly Father. We worship you truly, Lord. You are an amazing God. Lord, with our finite minds, it's so hard for us to wrap it around an infinite God. But you have opened the eyes of our understanding to perceive, to see you for who you are. Oh, we thank you, Lord. For opening the eyes of our understanding today. For opening the eyes of our understanding, Lord, to see you for who you are. And we just worship you, Lord. Yes, Lord, you've seen the depths of our heart and you yet, you love us the same. Oh, we sometimes just can't understand how you could do it, Lord. But yet we know the truth is... You love us with an everlasting love and you have drawn us with loving kindness. We worship you, God. This, this, this afternoon we worship you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Yes, Lord, we understand you're a loving God. You loved us so much that you gave your only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. My friend, if you're here in the service today and all this is so new to you, but you heard a brief description, a summary of who God really is, my friend, I want to tell you He loves you. You're not in this service by accident. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he has sent his only son, Jesus Christ, for you. Because when you were born in this world, you were born with sin nature. And before God, you stand as a sinner. And you need to be delivered. My friend, this God who loves you can deliver you right now, this very moment. If you make a decision, as we heard, he's sovereign, but he will Give you, he has given you the freedom to choose. And if you choose today to say, Yes, I want to make this God, this Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sins, to be my Savior. If you make that decision today, my friend, he will make you his child. And from this moment, everything will start changing for you. All you need to do is say a simple prayer. Something like this. If you believe Jesus Christ is truly God and he came as a sinless man, he went to the cross and he died and he rose again. If you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth something like this. You pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. Jesus, thank you for taking my punishment on the cross. Thank you for taking my place on the cross. I believe you died. I believe you rose again the third day. And I receive you into my life. This day, I choose to follow you the rest of the days of my life. I decide to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we just want to thank you once again for this service, Lord, and for the encounters that we have had with you, for the healings and the deliverances that you've released upon your people. And for the greatest miracle that was ever performed in saving the sinners, Lord. And thank you, Jesus, for this time in your presence. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Let's receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord release unusual favor upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you his peace. In Jesus name. And everybody said, Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.